You often ask me what resources and books I recommend or which ones I'm currently reading or listening to. And I absolutely love to share. So I'm launching a weekly newsletter that includes different resources that are inspiring me at the moment. If you are interested in receiving it, just to comply with legal regulations, you need to access this link uh, only to confirm your email. It won't take you more than 30 seconds. I hope you find it both useful and inspiring. Today, I have a brilliant guest. This guy is so talented. His name is Troy York. He is a colleague of mine. We used to work together many years back. We were both hired for the Coactive Training Institute about 18, 20 years ago. He then went on later to create his own model, which he's going to talk about today. Troy has a diverse background of over 30 years as an award-winning concert pianist, composer, writer, film and TV actor, producer, and he incorporates all of this knowledge working with human creativity and high-performance behavior. Just in the time that I knew Troy and was working with him, he learned to lead the courses in French, in German, and in Spanish. This he, he just, I don't know what to say. He's got sort of like a genius mind, extremely talented. Our conversation starts with the story of Troy, but then we go on to talk about human dynamics and inner wisdom, resilience, how to be lucid through fear, thriving versus surviving. He talks about the timeless you. There, there are so many fascinating things in this conversation. So, and at the end, he does a little show and tell. So... Let's go meet Troy. Okay, Troy, we're gonna dive right in. So tell me a little bit about the story of Troy York. All right, well, and, and thank you for, for inviting me into your podcast. I'm really honored to be here, Michelle. Um, all right, well, I have a very diverse background. Uh, originally, I was a concert pianist and uh, I was doing that up until I was 26 years old, competing internationally, um, studied with many uh, great mentors in, in classical music for piano and composition. And then I did a career change. I got into film and it was from film that I got a, much more interested in, in working on myself, my personal growth. I mean, I had always had an, also a strong interest in philosophy, metaphysics, spirituality. And, and, and then uh, I opened an acting studio, was teaching acting from there and got very interested in personal development. And then that led into coaching and leadership. And then it eventually all amalgamated together into Emergent Essence Dynamics, which is the current program that I have developed and teach. So uh, everything is about human dynamics. Everything that I've done in my life has been about dynamics, uh, how we are interacting in relationship, how conflict works, how growth works, but uh, and how creativity works. And so I was very interested in how do we create? What are we creating? And what's our mindset? Uh, that was especially interesting for me as a concert pianist because I realized, I think I'm programming myself on how to play or perform. I can program success, I can program failure. And I started to really reassess, uh, how am I approaching myself, my instrument? And there was a point where I completely reconstructed myself because I was getting physical problems, back problems, et cetera, and high anxiety, high stress. It was getting very, very difficult to perform. And I said, I won't have a career if, if I keep going this way. So I had to strip everything away. And this is where I, I stumbled upon, well, I was calling it brilliance, focus on brilliance, but I was realizing that's actually resilience. It's my core vitality, my core resilience within, cultivate that. And from there, I can be my own creator with my own inner compass, inner wisdom, and that applies to whether you're an artist, a business person, a coach, a leader, it doesn't matter. But it's, it's important to live by inner wisdom from, from an internal source that is connected to humanity. It's not this um, isolated, selfish little bubble, all right, of control, but there's interconnection. And, and I have to pause you just for a moment because I wanted to something that I remember about a lead we had together many years ago in, mm -hmm. I think we were in Madrid or Barcelona, but I remember one of the things that I loved about leading a course with you was that you always had these ideas, these creative ways of explaining people to, to people about their brilliance mm -hmm. that I'd never heard from any other, other co-leaders. 
And I remember thinking like, wow, he's got his own creative take on these things and his own way of explaining it. And it's brilliant. Like you stuck in my mind a, a few times that in, in a course where you really blew my mind with how you explain something. So that was one of the motivations I had for inviting you on the podcast because I remember your brilliance. Well, I hope it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> I am a believer because I love languages as well. So, and you remember we would lead in Spanish. I could lead in French, English, German. So I speak several languages and it's, it's, it's about self-expression and exp a language will express a, a, a mentality, a feeling, a perception. There's many levels that when you tap into a language, you, you're, you're entering a whole different kind yeah. of energy, energy and mindset. And I love that. Yeah. And I'm thinking, well, why, you know, is a tree called a tree? Why is it called, you know, arbola, baum, or arbre, you know, and, and, and in different languages, what is it about that sound and vibration that creates that kind of a, a picture or shape? So, it's tapping into a mentality. And so to go back to what you said, as a, as a teacher or a leader, I want to be able to translate a core concept in 25 different ways, 50 different ways. So I've, I, I do need to A, be able to deconstruct a process that I see happening so it can be reconstructed in a way that other people can grasp and understand and always find, not force it down their throat, but find what's the way that has them catch on to it? What makes it compelling? So I believe yeah. a great teacher is flexible. Yeah, I was just going to say, I love that the example of the tree with all these different names and how when you get to the essence of it, um, it's, it's unnameable, right? It's, there's something about, we put labels on everything. Yes. But yeah. Um, so tell me a little bit, you told me earlier that, that part of your work is around resilience. And I feel like this is an especially important time mm -hmm. uh, to talk about resilience. And this is all about, you know, game changing. So tell me about how resilience is your work around that as a game changer. Well, what makes it a game changer is when we realize we have constant access to resilience and it's constantly working through us. We just aren't aware of it necessarily. That's one. Usually we'll pay attention to our own innate resilience when we're under stress or crisis or disaster. That's like the example of the old lady that can lift a car to save a child, right? Suddenly she's got super strength, right? But it only kicks in in those states of emergency and crisis. When everything crumbles and we have nothing left, then suddenly there's something within us that has us rise like the phoenix from the ashes. And my thing is, why are we waiting for an emergency? Why are we waiting for extreme stress and crisis? Because otherwise we just waste time playing games with ourselves when actually we could be channeling a core energy that, that we could, could be using creatively and productively all the time. And how do we do that? Because I know the, the, the listeners would love to know how to do yes. that, how to channel so, that. Yeah, so it's, it actually is happening all the time. So it comes through will, it comes through desire, it comes through resistance. It's any energy that we're using. And all of that energy is coming from our own inner source or what I'm calling essence. It's what, we all have a sense of what feels permanent and timeless within ourselves. What feels unconditional? A great question to ask yourself is what is something nobody can ever take away? And that doesn't mean that you have to hold on to it and protect it. Actually think of open yourself up completely. And what is it that somebody just can't grab? I mean, they can grab your hair. They can, they can grab your clothes. They can take your arms, your legs, your eyes. I mean, to, to sound gross and violent. I mean, they can chop everything away, but there's something they can't grasp. It's like moving a hand. It's like trying to grab water or air, right? And that could be as simple as my sense of humor, my love for my children or my ability to love, or uh, it, it starts off as a spark of energy. Okay, my ability to smile or my, I can crack a joke. But then we can further, I have ways that we, we can further distill that into a much more pure, more and more pure energy where you really are in your own essential state and where you do feel like I am in a place of unconditional being here. Yeah. 
it's a feeling of I'm, I can't be harmed and therefore I can be also completely open and I'm not experiencing a fear of death. And I'm, I'm experiencing the permanence and abundance of life. Now, some people will say, oh, that's a very highly spiritual experience. I think it's just a very practical experience that we can experience day by day. And, and with that, if we pay attention to it, it can lead us into having essential experiences in our relationships with people, with ourselves, where we can feel peace, unity, love, and limitlessness. Those are four basic essential qualities. So let's talk about how you get to that place and be careful. I think, I don't know if you're hitting the table, but it shakes the camera on your- Oh, sorry. Yeah, because I get very excited. Yeah. I know. <laughs> it's moving on the screen for me. So, so let's talk about that because that's, that's awesome. Everybody wants that, right? Everybody mm -hmm. wants to experience that level of essence daily. And I think the whole world is struggling to get there and stay there. How do you yeah. do that? Okay. You can start with what's happening right now. And it's, it comes from basic recognition. And then of course, we're gonna judge what's going on and try to act upon it. Now, if we're acting from our judgments, we're really actually never connecting with reality. We're connecting with our perception of reality, yeah. okay? So in that sense, we're never seeing further than the end of our nose. We're seeing what we think. So we're, we're acting upon our own projections. So back to what's going on, recognize it. We can judge it, but then say, go back to, well, I'm not gonna change anything yet. And I'm not even gonna try to like it or not like it. It is what it is. So it goes from recognition to judgment to basic acceptance. And from basic acceptance, we begin to become fascinated with what is actually happening in the moment and what's available in the moment that can lead us into some basic fascination for what's in the moment to some appreciation and then to begin to enjoy the moment and all of those stages build resilience to be in the moment coming from basic acceptance so it takes a basic resilience to flow with the moment why because we're willing to be influenced just as much as we want to influence we're so used to feeling fragile with the need to control that we're actually disconnecting from the moment. Mm -hmm. Okay, so then I bring it back to what am I struggling with? What we don't realize is when I'm struggling, I'm using an energy to survive. It's like if I'm drowning, I'm, I'm kicking my legs and, and my arms. I don't realize I'm swimming. I think I'm drowning. So it's, it's what's the energy I'm using to fight or struggle? Take away the story of it and say, well, what is that energy I'm, I'm connected to? What is that giving me? So this is the key. Whatever energy you're experiencing, how is that feeding back to me? What life energy is it giving to me? How is that nurturing me? How does it feed my well-being? And when we start circulating this pure energy upon ourselves, that's building resilience. Then we can start rechanneling it into a different narrative or a different story. So it doesn't have to be fighting anymore yeah. or struggling. Even to sit and tolerate takes energy. What energy am I using to tolerate this? Again, if we're trying to act from judgment, we're trying to change. So, so we're, we're, we're coming from non-acceptance. Non-acceptance creates the struggle, the fight, and the suffering. Yeah, and non-acceptance zaps your energy. So what you're saying is park your judgment, let go of your struggle, surrender into the now, accept whatever is, and suddenly you tap into an abundance of energy. Something like yes, that. Yes, and I think some of your listeners may have objections to that because it sounds like <laughs> roll over and die and be a doormat. <laughs> no. Because <laughs> no, that's I, not what I'm saying. But yeah, when I heard you say that, I was like, I don't know, right? <laughs> well, because you know what? The word surrender is very charged. When I say surrender, I mean let go of the struggle, let go of the control. And what, what I also got from what you said is then it allows you to move into this place of awe, 
you know, being in awe of everything around you because you're fascinated by what's happening. You're no longer fighting it, struggling with it, resisting it, right? And then you can just be fascinated by it. Yeah, you're moving into a state of fluidity. That doesn't mean you're out of control or in total chaos, but you're, every, if we think everything is in relationship, then we can never have 100% total control. Otherwise, we're creating a master-slave dynamic. Right. So we are, if we think of co-creation, then we can have intention and we can act upon the intention and then we respond to the, what we get back from, from our environment. And then we mix that again with our intention. So it's, it's, but, it, it's a loop, yeah. And this is why I use the infinity loop as part of my logo, because it, it is about co-creation. Um, it's about being influenced and influencing, influencing and being influenced, but plugging into a pure place of permanence, timelessness, and, and being unconditional, because then we're not trying to influence from fear or emptiness. See, this is the difference. Why am I trying to control? Because I feel disconnected from something. I don't wanna fall into the abyss of annihilation or nothingness or loss of identity or death. So then I need to A, make sure, do I exist? That's why I need your recognition, your validation. That's why I need identity. That's why I need to, you know, be who I am, and then I need to make sure I exist. These are control issues. I got to feel safe and secure. I got to make sure there's no threats. See, those are the two basic games we're playing is validation and control. Now, when we are connected to essence and resilience, resilience says, of course I exist. I am source. I'm part of source. So immediately we get into a state of I'm okay. Despite what's happening, I'm okay. From there, I could say, what do I now want to create? Whereas if we're coming from a disconnected place, we're desperately just saying, I've got to fix this. I got to fix this because I don't know if I quite exist. I don't know if I'm really okay. And I don't know if I'm going to continue to exist. Right. And, and the, I think the big thing there is that you, once you remove the fear, right, because all of those things cause fear, when there's no fear, there's all sorts of room to play and create. Yes, right? and what I'm no saying is we're not, we're not trying to eliminate the fear, but it is to have a lucidity through the fear. Meaning uh, I, I can have a, a sense of will and a sense of desire and intention and lucidity while still facing something that, that can cause fear, but the fear is not taking the control. And then I'm not going into automatic programming. Right. It's such a subtle line what I'm, I, sorry, I'm shaking the table again, but it's such a subtle line what I'm saying. I don't know if it is clear to you or not. Cause what I do not want to do is I do not want to eliminate judgment. I do not want to eliminate fear. That is all part of our human nature. Those right. Well, it, it helps things. us survive. But one thing is living in, survival mode mm -hmm. and primitive behavior that that keeps us shut down and, and not creative and another thing yes. is to to let go of that fear of survival to be able to go into a, a state where you can be creative and that doesn't mean you're going to walk in front of a moving car no. right no you're so, going to still have your critical thinking faculties right, right? <laughs> so this is also okay what goes part and parcel it can move into another thing is this is why it's important to be able to have differing opinions, a provocative point of view, to be able to counter the narrative. Because if we only just flow in the one direction and we're not disagreeable, we're not actually living the full spectrum of life. So I just wanted to bring that in too, that we must be willing to question and challenge ourselves. So I can feel fear and panic and then I can say, all right, so despite that, am I okay? When I'm in a place of, okay, yes, I am okay. My life is crumbling around me and I am okay. Now that doesn't mean don't do anything, but it's from the feeling of I'm okay and I have access to creativity, desire, and will. Now I can say, what is available? What are my options? 
right. will feel very different than saying, oh my God, my life is crumbling around me. I desperately have to do something now. What my options will feel very, very, very different. And I might start making stupid decisions. Yeah, it reminds me of what you said a little while ago of this idea of there's something nobody can take away from me. Yeah. You know, that gives the, you a rock. The a love rock. I feel, right? My sense of humor, my all of those things are still intact when your life or you feel like you're falling apart. There was a book, not it was quite some time ago, that was called Going to Pieces Without Falling Apart. And I, I feel like that's right. There's that part of you that will never fall apart. And if you can tap into that, it doesn't matter how big the shit storm. That's right. <laughs> you still feel something in you that yeah. is timeless and strong. Yes. So imagine if you're okay with losing your entire business, knowing that you can rebuild it, it's going to change your level of stress, anxiety, and the kinds of decisions you make for taking risk or being creative. Um, and also being compromised. You won't compromise yourself as easily. You won't because A, okay, you can't get blackmailed when somebody tries to strong arm you into a bad decision. Uh, B, you're willing to risk it all if something is important enough for you. Uh, and uh, of course you have to be smart and have strategies and all that, but even your strategies themselves are not based upon fear and desperation. Mm -hmm. It's different is what I'm saying. When you have a sense of permanence within you, you can relax a little bit and use that energy to be creative as opposed to, because we are constantly creative, but it's, being, it's, it's like being driven by pain, constant, constant pain, constant pain and trauma. And we're actually, the, the fear is making the decision for us, not us. Right. That's the subtle difference. Yeah. Well, yeah, and it takes a huge energetic toll to be driven by fear and, and, and pain and trauma, right? It's, yes. Yeah. So one thing I'm saying is we, when, when, when you are accessing that inner source, that essence, that sense of permanence and timelessness where I'm okay, that if everything crumbles around me, I'm still here, I'm still okay, because you still feel that limitlessness within you. I don't want to rebuild everything from scratch, but I know I can, all right? It's just that I, I can shifts how you are driven because then you can't be compromised or driven by your own egregores beliefs fears etc you know what an egregore is yeah, yeah. it's a like a a belief system that actually we make real within ourselves stories and myths and narratives etc right so so i believe if we had more resilience as a society we wouldn't have been as threatened as we were by this pandemic. Oh yeah, without a doubt. So we talked about resilience and we also talked about the importance of autonomy. You wanna talk a little bit about autonomy? Okay, yeah. Meaning sovereignty over oneself. Yeah. So okay, it's easy to say, but what does that mean? Well, relationships are gonna play games where I need something from you, you need something from me. We have this perfect match of fair exchange, right? But what we're actually doing is in the game level, we're, we're, we're using each other. And, and sometimes that's very agreeable and very nice. But for the same things that we're using each other for, we also can threaten each other. So there can be this push-pull, right? Depending on which side we show, do we show the, the side that triggers your emptiness and fear? If I show that side, you're going to feel repelled, but then I also can appeal to what fulfills you and dangle that little carrot. And now I've got you on a back and a forth, right? So this is relationship manipulation. This is like so many relationships yes. describing, right? Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's, going, that sounds really familiar. Yes. And again, it's based on these two games of validation and control. And, and each of us has a more dominant game with different people, more for validation, more for control, but both are happening always at the same time. And we're, we're showing, we're all dangling carrots in front of each other and we're all holding each other prisoners, okay? Because there's, some, there's, there's something in you that I want, there's something in me that you want, 
And if we look at that competitively and from a place of non-resilience, it's gonna affect our own sense of autonomy, meaning I'm using you as a source of power and wisdom to fulfill me. Or I'm making myself your source of power and wisdom to fulfill you. And this is where we're starting to get into codependency and emotional blackmail and power games, et cetera, right? And this can be on very subtle micro levels, right down to, I love you and I'm so concerned from you because you're my best friend or you're my wife or whatever, right? So autonomy means I'm not dependent on an external source for wisdom, power, validation, that this is all within, not within a sealed closed bubble, but it's within, a, a, let's say, a, a circular loop of energy of wisdom, a feedback loop within myself that is also very radiative and generous and unconditional. When I am autonomous within myself, I'm also generous because I feel abundance and, li and limitlessness within myself. Again, essential qualities. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I feel like that's what we're, we're after with coaching is actually having people become 100% autonomous. No power outside themselves, but actually completely you know, connected to and confident in their own inner wisdom, right? Their, their right. guide inside. So then if we all have guides inside and we're all, you know, and if you want to get metaphysical, we're all plugged into some central source on that cosmic web, a divine consciousness, a divine intelligence, whatever you want to call it, but we're, we're all sparks from the same cloth, same threads of the, of the same cloth, and we all interweave. This is a different sense of unity, and it gives a different sense of what it means to be diverse, right? I'll give you a metaphor, and I can come back to autonomy. Imagine that the entire universe is, or the divine intelligence, God, whatever you want to call it, or source, mm -hmm. is an endless mirror. And it just goes on and on and on and on forever. Now, it's the substance of a mirror, but it cannot act like a mirror because it has nothing to reflect. It is one endless mirror everywhere, so it kind of cancels itself out. So it is only potential. So what does the divine source have to do? It needs to shatter itself into all kinds of small little fragments. It's all the mirror, but now the mirrors have different shapes and sizes and edges, but they're all made of the mirrored substance. And now the mirror can face itself and express itself. And, and it's gonna be complementary. it's gonna be opposites. Now, if we start focusing on what's the edge of the mirror, the shape and the size of the mirror, I, I, I'm a bigger piece, and you're a smaller piece, therefore I'm greater and you're lesser, we're forgetting that we're made of the same substance. We're all the same mirror with the same functions. And if you think of a holographic plate that shatters, it contains the whole image. Mm -hmm. So we all are the image of the divine source and we're all in a different locality, coming from different points of view, different perspectives, therefore, we can express the greatest potential of that mirror. We can express every little facet, but it takes all of us together. Therefore, we need to be in polarity and opposites. We need hot and cold to express the full range of temperature. We need black and white to express the full spectrum of, of light and shadow, right? So instead of focusing on the outer edges of the mirror, which one's bigger, smaller, more jagged, more smooth, as a thinking status better. Think of we're all of the same substance of the mirror and we're all meant to work together to express a greater whole. And so if we're autonomous and remembering we are all connected to that one substance and we're all expressions of that one substance, it's easier to move into an acceptance. Yeah, I love that metaphor. I think it's a, it's a perfect metaphor. And I get that, the, that if each piece is autonomous in itself, it allows for this beautiful dance between the pieces of the mirror because all of them are, <laughs> are in the full expression of their unique piece, whatever they are. Yeah, and I wanna make sure that we don't think that that one piece being autonomous means it can be isolated. 
or independent. <coughs> it is connected, but it's not dependent on everything else to make it feel real or valid or like it exists. It, it already exists, it's there. It, it's, do you understand what I mean? Like, I don't want to say that. Yeah, yeah, no, I get that. And you've said that several times. It's like, it's not, it's not this concept of, you know, each man or woman is a universe in, in and of itself. It's, it's part of a bigger puzzle and all the pieces go together and meet each other. Together. However, yeah. just like a puzzle with my metaphor, each one has a different image on it or is part of, yep. and is it's, it's, I get that it's like each piece if it's fully what it was meant to be allows for if we go to i don't know if we can talk about the intention of this breaking mirror but mm -hmm. if, if some of these pieces are not actually able to be completely autonomous it, th there can't be this beautiful reflection of opposites and, and different things happening because that's right this this piece of the mirror is trying to be like this piece of the mirror yeah right? exactly so yeah so then uh, that moves into competition and comparison. Again, yeah. that's unplugging from autonomy and trying to plug into something else. I got to be more like Michelle. I got to be more like this one or that one or this one. I'm not feeling as good. This is when we start playing status games and that aggravates our, our disconnect, our sense of emptiness. Well, I feel like like social media, if I look at my daughter, Sophia, how often she's on Instagram, how often she's comparing herself to other people or Facebook, you know, I've never yes. used Facebook, but I know that's a big place that or you know, a big source of comparison uh, or life comparison that, yeah. that it's become especially difficult with everything out there today to not compare yourself and to not compete. Right. So yep. this whole move towards autonomy is more challenging in 2021 than it was a hundred years ago. <laughs> well, it is. And I actually think moving into a time, I think people are naturally moving that way. I've seen over the years, there's, there is more of a, a general resilience and acceptance and autonomy, but I think that's getting covered up a lot. Uh, the kind of media stories and the apps and the social media and all that go the other way. They're, they're, they're really trying to magnify what's the different size and the shape and the, and, and then you must be this, you must be that, you must be this, this, this. What struck me, what you said before, but all pieces of the puzzle, all pieces of the puzzle have a function. And so instead of me searching outside of myself for what is my function and purpose in the world, I got to look actually within what are my great talents, what are my desires? And then I can look outside and what is, if, if the world is communicating to me through dynamics, through patterns, through repeating stories and situations, the world is my teacher and I'm the student of the world. And then I'm also teaching the world. The world is my student. So it's, it's reciprocal. Yeah. Then we can find special, unique uh, passion and function in each person. And then we could start, instead of celebrating who has the greatest IQ in science and math, I mean, there, there are other people that have an incredible talent for just calming people down or have a, an incredible talent for taking care of children or an incredible talent for um, recycling garbage. I mean, like, why, 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 why is the garbage man considered a low life? Well, I don't consider the garbage a low life, but I get what no. you're saying. It's like there's a hierarchy, right? No, and where yes. you live, apparently the garbage men are very sexy too. <laughs> <laughs> there's some very nice looking garbage men over here in Spain. But yeah, what what I get that you're saying is it's like we 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 value people, we we place judgments and we diminish them. And I think yeah. coaching and the coach approach to leadership to bring it back to, you know, game changing and yes. um, the, the world that both of us move in, um, that we're, that's, that's always what we're trying to do is have the people we're working with look within, find the, find their talents, find their strengths, find their unique expression, calling, however you want to put it and go for it, right? Be, be yeah. bold enough and brave enough to be it, to do it. 
so then also want to make a distinction there around the game. Yeah. There's this push for the bigger game. Got to up your game, step it up, play a bigger game. There, we as coaches and leaders, we I think we need to clean up our bias around what that is, whether we hold it or whether the client or the group holds a bias yeah. as well, because. Otherwise, we're, we're introducing non-resilience, non-autonomy, where they start comparing and competing with themselves right. or whatever ideas. So rather than say a bigger game, meaning you've got to do more, it's got to be like, don't just write a short story. It's got to be a novel. It's got to be a, a, a free novel thing. It's like, maybe it's just a simple story. Maybe it's just a poem. I don't know what it is, but what makes yeah. it most compelling is different than what makes it big. Yeah. So bigger, better. I think comparatives and superlatives. Um, I get it. Here you're saying bigger is not always better. No. <laughs> and that, that it really is about, it's not about your bigger game. It's actually just about your unique game, whatever that and is. And what's, what's most compelling to you. Yeah. And where do you make the most contribution? with from within yourself and it's not about whether it's effortless or not it is and it's i don't even know how to say it if it's about being fulfilling or not it's what's most natural mm -hmm. for you i think it's what what yeah. feels most natural yeah and what contributes to your well-being and to the well-being of others so because I, I think uh, there is this this business push on the leadership and coaching side that I think sometimes gets either misunderstood or co-opted or weaponized even to make people think they got to, you know, produce more, but there's a bias in what that is. Some people can do it. Yes. But what about um, like to have a life purpose where they, what, what I teach is more essential purpose. It's what's my natural strength. And what is the natural contribution of that strength? And by making that contribution, what's the lesson I'm learning constantly? Meaning not everyone wants my contribution. So it's from those situations that they're trying to wake me up to something or I need to be aware of something. So then what, what are they trying to teach me? And when I learn that lesson and incorporate it, what's the new strength that emerges? So it's four elements. What's my natural strength? Awareness. Yeah, because you're going to have a new awareness. So what's my natural strength, natural contribution? What's the lesson to learn? And what's the new strength or new awareness that, that comes out of that, which will feed back into my natural strength, which will feed back into the natural contribution. And it, what it is, is, it becomes an amplifier. Yeah. Then I'm not on a crusade to make everybody on, you know, my side with my strength my contribution i'm there to give and receive and learn and it, it sets me up into to co-creating then i can just be doing the dishes and i'm and i'm on purpose it doesn't mean i have to write the book or start the business or quit the job do you understand what i mean because people oh, I take dramatic steps to think they've got to be on their purpose or they're waiting once I fulfill this, that, 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 then I'll be on purpose. No. Right, someday I'll get there. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's, that's about a goal. That's achieving a goal. Purpose is with every breath you're taking, you, you are on your purpose, whether you think you're on it or not. Yeah. And a lot I, of like, people don't recognize their natural strengths. Go ahead. Yeah. 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 Well, I was just going to say, it's like the destination is here and now. Yeah. And, and like you said earlier, if you're able to let go of the struggle, the destination is pretty cool. Like right here, right now, <laughs> becomes fascinating. If we can allow ourselves to become fascinating, like, okay, yeah. so here I am right here, right now. I got myself here, the, the, everything got created to this point. So now what's available in here? Yeah. What can I take, what can I learn and what can I play with? It creates a little more inner peace. Mm -hmm as opposed to there's something constantly wrong. Yeah, or I have to survive. I think it really is, it goes from this place of surviving to actually a big playground in which you can thrive and have a good time. It's, yeah. it's but it's, it's, a, it's a playground on the, on the level of essence where, um, yeah, you eliminate a lot of the, 
the normal. I create because I can. That's what thriving is. I create yeah. because I can. Surviving is I, I, I'm not even creating. I, I just have to keep my neck above water. So I'm constantly fulfilling needs without feeling fulfilled. That's what surviving is. When needs are taken care of, then we can move into higher circuits of consciousness to say, okay, body is taken care of, my territory is taken care of, I've got my, my, my mental maps taken care of, my function in society is taken care of. Now I can focus on energy and wisdom, dreams and, and opening my mind and, and uh, you know, more cosmic things, more creative things, right? But I've got to take, get those basics taken care of. So if I'm constantly unsatisfied and, and in constant fear, I, I will never feel like anything is good enough or solid enough. I think it's great to go through a materialism fast. That's what I did part of my life. When I first um, switched over from North America to Europe, I lived the first year out of a suitcase. I didn't have a home. And because I felt I was accumulating too much. And so I couldn't buy anything for a whole year because I had to be very careful. <laughs> yeah. So what, did you, what was your greatest learning from that? Or what, did, what was the biggest takeaway for you? Um, and actually, that was also reminded me of when I was in school in New York. So I went two phases of that, where in New York, I had just enough money for my rent for the entire school year, and I had no spending money, nothing. So I, and, I, and I couldn't get a job or anything because I was an international student, so I was limited on the visa. But then I managed to, to get like some cash under the table by playing piano in a restaurant, and it was just 35 bucks a week plus a free meal. So at least I had one out of seven meals taken care of. Yeah. That experience actually gave me the sense of incredible freedom because it was so actually, it was actually so limited that I, I couldn't worry about it, but at least I had a structure. I knew I was, I only had enough for rent and, and 35 bucks cash. So now what do I do with that? Mm -hmm. it, it really cut and killed certain desires made me very disciplined, but very creative. What can I do for free? There's lots of free things you can do in New York City, right? Yeah. I even got a book, you know, what was it? A thousand free things to do in New York. Uh, and then the same, when I, when I lived out of the suitcase, traveling around Europe, I mean, I go from hotel to hotel or whatever, whether I paid or the company paid, whatever. But the point was, I didn't want to accumulate. Mm -hmm. And what that did was it, it stripped me out of the the desire to can to fill a void mm -hmm. so i don't need these things don't need to be shopaholic don't need to accumulate all this stuff to feel more secure by surrounding me with things which is distracting me from what's going on inside i got i got more in touch with my pure essence yeah. my who am i when i'm able to do without so this is why the pandemic didn't really necessarily scare me because I thought, well, if I lose everything, I lose everything. I mean, and if I'm homeless on the street, then I'm homeless on the street. And what I keep thinking of is, am I still breathing? Is my heart still beating? And I also know, uh, as what I've done throughout my life, I can reinvent myself again and again and again, and, it, and can always make a new friend. So I'm never completely alone or isolated. So why would this scare me? The one thing that I don't want is I don't want to feel the pain and the suffering. That's inconvenient. So I'll do everything in my power, not to get into something uncomfortable, painful, and full of suffering. But if I am there, I'm prepared. I, I, can, I know I'll deal with it. Yeah. Do you understand? Yeah, yeah. The, it's a really can... fine line. I can totally relate. Yeah, I think um, I feel the same way. You know, I think when you connect with um, that level of truth, you're not afraid of ending up on the street because, in a way, you're still you're still connected. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you're connected to yourself. You're still connected to the world. Life might get very challenging, yeah. but you're you're. To me, it's like it's like where we started. Nobody can take away the most important part of you. And you'll, you know, as long as you're breathing and your heart's beating, you have that. 
And as long, I know for me, as long as I have that, I'm okay. And I'm going to add something there, Michelle, so that if you start becoming obsessed of, don't you take this away from me, guess what's going to happen? Life's so going to try to prove it and say, <laughs> really? Really? Okay, so now I'm going to take that. Now let's see. Do you really need that? That's what life does. It, it, it becomes self-fulfilling. So if I'm obsessed with, I can't live on the street, can't live on the street, I probably will end up on the street, programming myself in one way or another to get there. I remember a very good example of leading a course with a colleague and the colleague said, oh, don't you love my new pants? And I mean, I can't spill anything on it. Don't spill anything. Don't spill anything. And then suddenly, boop, the coffee spilled. She spilled her coffee on her pants. I was like, well, you're just, you're, you're actually programming yourself. So if you're she not feeling resilient. <laughs> wow, well, it, it was just, I, I was, I, I just pointed out, I said, fantastic example of self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, so, yeah. If you're okay with spilling coffee on your pants, then you're not going to be all jittery about it, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So again, why did I do those life lessons? So I could actually live through my nightmares so that they're not controlling me. And if the nightmare comes, then I'm fine with it. And probably I won't need to experience it because you can learn the lesson from your nightmares early before they get really bad. Does that make sense? It does. It does. And I think it would be useful to give like those people out there who maybe they're not living a nightmare, but they're suffering from a lot of anxiety, mm -hmm. burnout, like what's happening with a lot of people because the, the pandemic and, and what it's created has gone on for a long time. And I think people yeah. thought in the beginning it was going to be a sprint and it's turning into a, a marathon. Mm -hmm. Some people I think are running out of uh, resilience, maybe energy. Um, what tips do you have for them? Things that people can do daily or practices that, that can help return to that more resilient, resourceful place. Return to something very simple and basic, a basic pleasure. Like we could call it a daily pleasurable activity and, and you know, don't get swarmy with that, but I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Could be something simple, like what, what is something where there's, there's nothing to do, nothing to accomplish, but what it's, it's meant to do, it could be an activity for, for five, 10, 15 minutes. There is no set accomplishment here. It could just simply be, I'm rubbing moisturizer on my hands. Why? Because I get great pleasure out of that sensual feeling and you're just yeah. focusing on the pleasure of it. So it's and just it's, like basically moments of joy, just for joy or pleasure, just... Taking Pure joy or pleasure, no function or purpose or accomplishment yeah. in it. That could be play the piano for a little bit. It could be sing in the shower. It could be just drink an espresso. But you're deciding what gives me great pleasure and joy because it gets you into then a flow state, yeah. a state of flow and connection, creativity, vitality, and resilience. And so you're just thinking of what, what am I enjoying now? What's the vitality here. What, yeah. what, what am I, you know, how am I feeding my well-being? That's, that's great. I, I have had a lot of clients, not just this last year, but over the years who have been really in a, in, in a moment of sadness. And I say, you know, like a doctor might uh, prescribe antidepressants, you know, and as a coach, I, I have this thing where I say five or 10 things that you love to do and mm. make sure you do at least half of them every day. And that is, that is far better than a prescription of antidepressants, right? That you can become yeah. dependent on and when you stop taking them, what do you do, right? Just the little things, the little things that bring your vibration up, that bring you little moments mm -hmm. of happiness that then change the energy. And I would say, do it, put a time limit on it. You know, just do it for five, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. If the pleasure stops, stop the activity, shake it off, take a walk around, come back in, right? Like if I'm playing the piano and I, or, you know, and I start getting focused on not making mistakes, now that's work, right? Now, why am I playing the piano? Because I enjoy the sound, how it feels, how my body feels, right? Get yourself in that state of mind. Yeah. If the joy stops, stop the activity, walk it off, come back, right? And for some people, that might be a, a bit of a discipline, right? Uh, especially for overachievers, because they'll, the, 
they can't stand having no function, goal. no accomplishment. Yeah, right, they exactly. have a goal. I'm doing. So this I give this to all my overachieving clients, right? <laughs> yeah. Put a time limit on it: five, ten, fifteen minutes. If it becomes work, stop. Come back. And and what that will do, if you do that as one of the first and the last things of your day, it bookends where it actually is going to make your day even more efficient because now you're in a mindset. It's like breathing fresh air. Yeah. Now you're in a mindset and that can just start, you know, yeah. stacking upon itself. Cause then yeah, it'd be like a virtual, right. A virtual circle. Yes. Cause when you have that basis of what gives me vitality, pleasure, joy, creativity, and flow. Now I can start flowing with the things that I don't enjoy as much, but I can start to, find the enjoyment in them, right? So again, it's what are we focusing on? And a lot, this is the second thing is for everything that we do, we're going to like it and not like it at the same time. It's going to feel like work and pleasure at the same time. So what are you focusing on? Are you mm -hmm. focusing on how it is a problem and how it's killing you? Or are you focusing on how is this also revitalizing and what am I learning from it? Yeah. So that's half empty glass half full all the time, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So and it's not about denying you. Like yeah, what? Okay. okay, go ahead. What, what did you just say? I was just saying not to deny what gives us resistance or frustrations, right. but at the same time, it's not 100%. Right, right. Because they're both true. A glass is half empty and half full at the same time. Both are true. And you get to choose how you want to perceive it. And then that yeah, and when we get really good, we can start reconciling the emptiness and the fullness together that they both have a symbiotic relationship. Mm, I love that. Yeah. Quite advanced. I was gonna that ask no more. <laughs> what gives you joy? What what has you jump out of bed in the morning? Well, lately it's been watering my plants. Oh I'm I'm growing a garden indoor finally that I because I was moving around so much before, traveling a lot. And then now I've moved into a new place and I've decided I'm not traveling anymore or anywhere. So I, I decided I can grow a garden. Yeah. Now I've got plants. <laughs> so I'm growing everything from seed. Mm. And so I'm literally <clears throat> nurturing something else. I have my nursery, right? Mm. <laughs> and uh, and I'm, I'm witnessing the creative cycle. Oh, that's From awesome. seed to growing roots, to growing the branches and the leaves to the final fruits, right? The four phases of the creative cycle. So, wow. so any- That gives me great pleasure. Yeah, and it, it's so in alignment with what you're all about and your model. And you want to do a plug for EED? <laughs> Emergent Essence Dynamics. Yeah, it's basically what we've been talking about. What we've talked about a lot is accessing the essence and the benefits of that, like permanent, timeless nature of ourselves. Essence also is just our level of all potential, core all potential. This is where we get all our creativity and resources from when we access essence. Emergent meaning these are processes where we, we, we bring source to the surface, bring source to full expression. So it's the creative cycle from pure potential to the fullest expression of something. And that works in patterns and cycles. And that brings us to the dynamics, which is everything works through action, behavior, and patterns. So it's not just what we say, it's what we say and do. And it's really what we're, we're expressing and showing as opposed to what we're saying and promising. Mm -hmm. And what, Emergent essence dynamics is it's it's a universal model that is working on the basic fundamental behaviors of of creativity and being human, and that is building resilience and autonomy, accessing creativity, and bringing that into relationship where we co-create, and that can be applied to coaching and leadership, uh, cooking and sales and dating and you know, anything really. Because yeah. everything happens in relationship. And this is about bringing resilience and autonomy to relationship. How, how do people yeah. find you? Tell people how they can get a hold of you, do your courses, give a little plug yes. for your, how do, how do they get a hold of okay. you? Um, so there's the YouTube channel where they can watch webinars and get to know some of the concepts, basic tools and skills. And every webinar will give you some concepts, uh, philosophy, but also practical things you can do and practice, okay? And then if you wanna learn things more in depth, you can, of course, take some of the trainings. And we have several modules in the training program. The YouTube channel is, you can search under EE Dynamics, at EE Dynamics, or just do a full search, Emergent with a T, 
Essence Dynamics. Uh, the website is essence-dynamics.com and they can always email, you can always contact me directly at info at essence-dynamics.com. That's E-S-S-E-N-C-E-dynamics.com. All right, cool. And any, any uh, recommended readings or articles that have inspired you in the last couple of years you'd re recommend to people? Well, I do, like we, we, you mentioned the seven hermetic principles. I think that's great. Um, the Kaibalian, and um, that's by the three initiates. It's actually, that's, that's a pseudonym. For, and now I'm forgetting his name. Yeah, it's like William something or other, right? Atkinson or Walker, yeah. I forget, yeah. I'm on my um, third read of that. Like I've read yeah. it. You need to read it several times. What's very interesting was I already had developed EED and then I came upon the, the, the hermetic principles. I thought, oh, perfect match. But also I had, but those principles influenced uh, a lot of different, uh, let's yeah. say spiritual and metaphysical philosophies, et cetera. Uh, so, but they, they proved themselves out, you know, they do. they do. And so I'd say, read the Kabbalion um read anything on the seven hermetic principles yeah and uh that gives a great guideline for how the universe works metaphysics work yeah. how law of attraction works it gives you a little bit more depth uh also you know i have been reading walter russell say, that's that's what's that? walter russell i've been reading walter russell. And that's on the nature of how chemistry and electromagnetism works, uh, et cetera. Again, it's really related. It might be too high concept for some people, but um, that's also yeah. really, really, really interesting. Yeah. yeah, I was just gonna say what I loved about, or what I love about the Kabbalion or Kaibalian, however you wanna pronounce it, is it is like philosophy meets spirituality meets science, right? It's like they all converge there. You can see it goes way yeah. back and it's the origin it's of so many schools of thought um, yeah. that, branched out from there yes so well everything comes from mentalism idea everything is first thought then word manifest. then expression right and ev which means then everything is also everything is vibration everything is movement everything is opposites balancing and counterbalancing right and uh, and which which means everything also then is if it's opposites it's also gender masculine feminine and that does not mean sex that means masculine energy types and feminine energy types um so when you put all of that together we have we live in a world that has access to oneness and unity but that expresses itself through duality polarity and it's always balancing the opposites so that the opposites are complementary to each other and we're in constant motion right. and so Right. And the more you can grasp all that and understand it, the more you can enjoy consciously playing the game. <laughs> That's right. That's basically what I'm teaching in EED with, yes, we, 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 we cultivate resilience, cultivate autonomy, but we also realize that every, every, everything we're doing to express ourselves in the world, it's like being on the theater. It's a game. If we look at it as games, it will feel like life and death to us, but when we come from essence, not ego, when we come from ego, it's a life and death. When we come from essence, there's more flow and joy and, and, and fluidity with it. And we can still play the game, play the game better, learn the lesson from the game, learn the game faster, more efficiently. There's a lot less suffering. Then we can move from game to game to game to game instead of playing the same game 5,000 times. Yes. and you That's can, the whole purpose. Right. And you can enjoy the game. Yes. And it's not about eliminating games. This world we, we live in is an expression through obstacle courses, games and obstacle courses. That's it. It's like going through school. So, but let's, you know, and I would say for, as far as the whole human history goes, we've been playing certain games for thousands of years. Wouldn't it be nice to learn the lesson that, that those basic games are offering so we can get onto a whole new set of games and thrive in a different way. That's what I'd love to see. Yeah. But it right, takes some humility. It's like moving from being, feeling a victim of the game to actually being a player of the game. That's a big move. It's a big move. And I, it, the key will be basic resilience. Because- And autonomy. Um, and autonomy. <laughs> and yeah, autonomy. well, victim and persecutor are roles in a game.
And we actually play both sides. A lot of people don't want to hear that because a lot of people are like, I, I, but I'm, the I'm victim. over here. Yeah, I'm over here. And they're over there. But actually, we, we, we do swap. And uh, I have some webinars on the uh, YouTube channel around the victim persecutor dynamic and cycle. It's one of the most difficult to, to yeah, ask. right, because right, it accepts it, it requires accepting the shadow, you know, yes. as part of our identity. Anyway, thank you so much, Troy, for your time, for your wisdom. I know there's so much more. We started out by saying we could talk for 10 hours on yeah. these subjects. There's so much more. And maybe if there's popular demand, we'll come back and talk about the seven hermetic principles a little bit more. I find them fascinating and also mind bending. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I would so. love to do that. So you just let me know. Yeah. It would be great. Thank you. Thank Otherwise, you so if people much. have more questions, they can always contact me. Yeah. At my email. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much for being with us. Wow, Troy York, so full of wisdom. It was really an honor to have him on my podcast. I loved that last part about going from victim to player and the metaphor of life as a game. I can't tell you how many times I've repeated the same thing in my life until I finally got the lesson and could move on. Of course, when you move on, it's to the next challenge, but at least you're not repeating history. I appreciated what Troy said about this bias of playing a bigger game. I think that what it's really all about is playing an ordinary game in a big way. And what I mean by that is from a place of presence and conscious co-creation and enjoyment. I know that is my daily work. <laughs> anyway, I hope you've enjoyed this episode, speaking of enjoyment, and know that if you're interested in learning more about what Troy does, you can look him up online. And the name of his program is Emergent Essence Dynamics. It's his model, and he also has a series of courses. Um, and thank you for being with me today. You can join me in a couple weeks again for the episode in Spanish or in a month for the next one in English. And remember, you can reach out, give me feedback, make suggestions. I love to hear from you.